Hello, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 133. We are recording on Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Today I'm joined by James Halliday, a.k.a. the Lord of BLP Entertainment. Uh, James, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing good. I love that you started off like 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 this WWE voice announcer, and then you turned into a ghost near the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I pivoted hard towards the spooky. Um, I'm Chris. I'm Chris. I didn't introduce myself uh, at the Salty Sternum on Twitter. Uh, no, no longer. That Twitter account's been dead for over a year. Um, oh. We're off the rails already, James. But yeah, no, no kidding. Well, I mean... You can expect to hear me sniffling and coughing every once in a while because I have COVID. But it's nothing to laugh at. And, uh, you know, uh, everyone, please send some well wishes his way uh, through any number of different social media outlets. Um, We're all pulling for James in this hard time. Um, It's truly scary to contract COVID. um, And I'm glad that it sounds like you're doing well so far. Well, enough to join for a podcast recording at the very yeah. least. It's mostly just a head cold at this point, but uh, I'm, yeah, I do have existing uh, health conditions that could complicate it. So I'm just keeping a, a pretty uh, good eye out for any of the other more serious symptoms. But uh, so far, it's been going okay. And we are crossing <laughs> fingers, fingers and. Crossed. Uh, keeping you and your our thoughts because we need you around. Thank um, you. To completely derail and take a step back from the serious tone of the show, I want to thank everyone for taking time away from the new Kendrick Lamar album that comes out at the same day as this episode to join us for this podcast. I know I'm excited. I don't know who else in our audience would possibly be excited for a rap album like that, but um, I've literally been waiting five years for this, so I cannot believe it. Um, anyways, <laughs> tomorrow's Chris is going to be a very happy man. Um, Excellent. And with that out of the way, let's jump into the lowdown. If you want to be a part of the conversation or you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, Please reach out to us on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. If you don't use Twitter, you can send an email the good old fashioned way to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. That's our website. Feel free to go check it out. It is super out of date. I was just looking at it earlier today. Um, but it's still a good looking website, if you ask me. Uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter, Mostly Normal Monthly, at mngamers.substack.com. Uh, that's the best place to find all 12 back issues um, and whatever future stuff we put together. If you subscribe, we'll show up straight in your inbox. Finally, we have a Google Voice voicemail box at 507-291-2991. We love featuring your voices on the show. Uh, if you want to send us a review, a question, a comment, or a criticism, that's a great way to do it. And with the rigmarole rolled out of the way, we're going to jump into what we've been playing. Um, I'm going to start off with just some two quick Game Pass hits before I kick it over to you, James. All right. Uh, first super quick one is a game called Citizen Sleeper. 
It is a narrative-based RPG um, set in a futuristic cyberpunk setting. Um, I played about 15 minutes of it. I, I did like the first chunk of the tutorial, not even the whole thing. Um, and so uh, you play as uh, basically an artificial intelligence that is a copy of a person's personality or mind uh, that has been sold to a corporation to embody this robot body that then does labor for this corporation. Um, and you uh, were, the narrative starts off with uh, you being, I think, the only survivor of a group of these uh, labor robots trying to escape uh, the corporation's control. Um, and you are the only survivor on a ship of, I believe, eight of them. Um, and so uh, you meet a person who's there to help you early on. Um, the game features some really, really beautiful character artwork, um, just so detailed and cool. Um, you can pick from one of three classes and um, it has like an RPG stat distribution. Um, but the main mechanic is that each day you get a set of dice that you've rolled. Uh, and it's just a six-sided die. Results are one through six. And those results then correlate to um, the probability of how an outcome of whatever task you assign that dice to is. So if you want to, say, go try and investigate um, a medical clinic to try and get information about where you might uh, get repairs done um, or get drugs that will help slow your decay because there's a built-in um, planned obsolescence uh, to these robot bodies. And so there's actually like a drug that you take to ease the planned obsolescence from like slowly wearing down your body. Oh, so you go talk to this doctor and you say, doc, I need to find some of this medicine to slow my planned obsolescence. Um, and say you slotted in a five die out of the six, right? If you rolled a bunch of these dice, um, the five would give you a 50% chance of a positive outcome and a 50% chance of a neutral outcome. Um, whereas like a six, I think is a hundred percent chance of a positive outcome, but don't quote me on these percentages. And then uh, three and four give you 25% chance of a positive, 50% of neutral, and then 25% of a negative outcome. And so you're kind of like doing risk management with like where you want to assign these dice. Um, and I'm still really, really early in the game, but the writing is really strong. Um, the, the thematic stuff, like the theme of labor and bodies and like decay um, all came through really quickly. Um, and I'm just intrigued to like learn more about this world and about this character I'm I'm portraying um, because it is kind of a choice-based narrative RPG um, where, you know, it's a lot of like reading and making a, a choice at the end of a paragraph and then it taking you into further narrative stuff. Um, I've heard it's a pretty quick playthrough about seven hours. So um, I'm hoping to dig into it a bunch. Um, once I pull myself away from my other game pass game, uh, which is, Ayudin Chronicle Rising, which is the prequel side game to, to Ayudin Chronicle 100 Heroes, um, which was that big Kickstarter success um, from the creator of Suikoden. Suikoden? Oh. Um, 
Did you ever play the Suikoden games? I never did. I had a buddy who was super into them. Those are like always too. Um, I don't know. There's just too much to it. There's. <laughs> do you know what I'm I, trying to say? There's just like they were always like. I I can't keep up. There's a degree of like Japanese RPGs that I can I can take only so much before it's just like i need to be an engineer to deal with all of these numbers and stats and micromanaging all of my characters he loves that shit and he will literally do anything in his power to play those kind of games over and over and over again uh i am i i can't do it Mm -hmm. i (laughs) i need i like my my games to be uh, i don't mind them being challenging and a little bit of like menuing but uh when it gets to a point where You've got hundreds of stats. I think the most Japanese like stat managing game I ever play is the Souls games. And there's a mm. lot of stats that yeah, you're you don't really have to worry about it at the end of the day with those ones. And I think that's why I find it forgivable. Whereas a lot of those sort of games with lots of characters and lots of options and stuff like that. But tell me about this yudin chronicle rising so um it sounds like hundred heroes is going to be more of that like classic crunchy chewy rpg with like turn-based combat and like just a roster that overflows with characters which i think is one of the things that fans of suikoden call out is just there's like all of these characters that you can have on your team and they're all unique and and have interesting stories to share um whereas so far in rising um, it is a really stripped-down, side-scrolling action RPG with town-building elements. Oh. Um, and it really pulled me in yesterday. I probably put in, like, three hours. I'm about eight main quest quests in. Um, the art style is really beautiful. Um, it reminds me of the HD 2D art style a little bit um, oh. from, like... Uh, Octopath Traveler or something like that, but the backgrounds are more 3D rendered than those would be. Um, but it does a lot of beautiful work with um, sunset tones and uh, the backgrounds are, are rich and detailed. And there's lots of parallax scrolling going on. Um, whereas the, the character portraits are vivid um, and maybe not even 16, but I would describe it as like the most beautiful 2D PlayStation 1 game I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah no i'm looking at it now it's really crisp like I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of little details and um yeah the backgrounds look fully rendered and then and the the characters seem like they're hand drawn almost yeah the characters are all really fun interesting people um every time you meet a new character there's a big splash screen that's that shows you a full body character portrait that's drawn of oh, them cool. has their name in big font and then talks a little bit about their background and all of these characters have been like rich interesting people to get to to know um you play as a character named CJ who's a 16 year old girl who's just gone out and struck out as an adventurer um she's been kicked out by her clan at 15 and needs to go prove herself before she's allowed to come back. Um, and, mm. and she um, saves a cool alligator uh, person from some bandits. This alligator person's name, I think, is Hogan. And Hogan takes you to the town of New Nevea, which is heaven backwards, um, which is a town that um, is 
the outskirts of a mine that draws a bunch of uh, kind of adventurer types, um, folks who are looking to, to make it rich off of this mine and off of some resources there to it. Um, a young interim mayor who's the daughter of a mayor that's gone missing um, has come up with a scheme to try and get these adventurers who are invested and interested in accessing this mine into helping out around town. And so um, you have to get a license to be able to go adventure and you have to be a licensed adventurer to go into the tunnel. Oh. And the cost for that license that this uh, this mayor, this mayor in interim mayor has come up with is $100,000 in this world's currency, which is mind boggling. And your character goes, oh my God, CJ just like cannot believe it. And she's like, whatever, bitch, like I can't afford that. And uh, the mayor goes, ah, yes, but we have a system for those who need some financial help uh, who aren't financially capable. Uh, and uh, we have a stamp system. And if you go around town helping out the citizens of our town, they'll give you a stamp. Uh, and so you engage in the stamp program in order to earn your adventuring certificate. Uh, and, uh, you know, you need to get five stamps from helping people around the town with odds and ends. Um, and you get to kind of be a part of this community. And the characters are just written really well. Like I found the writing to be really, really charming on top of the visuals and like the like the depth of these characters was like very surprising to me. Um, it got me really excited to explore more of this world. And... Um, the combat started out so, so simple, um, but I just finally um, added a second character to my party uh, and upgraded some weapons in a way that added a lot of mechanical depth that I was really hoping would have been there. And so um, having just scratched the surface with a couple of hours, um, I'm eager to go back to it. Um, so uh, the, there's a chain system I don't remember exactly if there's a fancy name for it, but basically like each character is assigned to a face button for their attacks and then A is jump. So, so oh. CJ will attack with the X button. Um, Garou, who is, um, if did you, you didn't quite like Final Fantasy X, but you, you're aware of the characters and cast, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Aaron, the big samurai. Yeah. Who, the drunk guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> imagine him but as a kangaroo oh with God. one eye, he's got a, a patch over his right eye. Didn't Aaron have one eye too? He had sunglasses on though, I thought. Oh, right? maybe that's that's what it was. I know he had something blocking his eyes. So Garu's attacks are, are assigned to Y once you unlock him. And he's a big, heavy attacker with this giant, uh, I, I can't remember what type of Japanese sword it is, but it is like a Japanese bastard sword that he's holding. And he has charge attacks. So you can hold down Y to charge up. Um, oh, because cool. his attacks are so much stronger, he can knock enemy projectiles back at them. Um, and he, each character has a special move assigned to the right trigger. So CJ's is a dodge that can either dash backwards or forwards, depending on if you you know push forward, you'll dash forward as, as opposed to doing a back dash. Uh, whereas Garu's is a parry attack. Um, oh, okay. And so already you're developing these mechanical complexities just by needing to pick which special ability you're using with which character. But then also, if you time it correctly, say I attacked with CJ with X, if I time it correct and hit Y next, I'll immediately switch to Garo and do a follow-up attack for this kind of like team attack thing. And then if I hit X again, I'll switch back to CJ and do a third follow-up attack. Um, and that's on a cooldown timer. You can't just spam that. 
but mm -hmm. it, it is like the biggest damage output you can do. Um, it, I'm, it's the first game in a really long time that's like pulled my attention this hard, probably since Elden Ring. Oh wow! Obviously, since like Elden Ring be like that, um, and so um, I've, I've really, really been encouraged um, by this game because my understanding is that it's it's trying to introduce some of the characters that you'll be meeting in in the big main meaty hundred heroes RPG. Um, but this action RPG is like way more fun and uh, has way more interesting story hooks. Um, I'm very curious about all these characters I'm meeting. Um, right now, I I'm I returned a magical girl, like a picture like Sailor Moon, but a, a toddler, kind of like Cardcaptor Sakura age, oh magical girl back to town, who's also a licensed adventurer, who seems to have incredibly powerful magic attacks. So I cannot wait to have <laughs> this kiddo be my, my B attack, because there's obviously going to be a third person for me to switch through to, and uh, having a ranged magic character would just, like, fill out this party really interestingly, and, um, you know, Garu's been, like, this big, nasty grouch to yeah. CJ. He's, like, very dismissive of this teenager, but when this little girl shows up, he takes on such a paternal tone with her, and is like, yeah, you you screwed up really bad. What do we do when we screw up? It was really touching <laughs> yeah, and it worked cool. obviously because it's like the narrative of the game, but like it just hit so perfectly to, to see this character open up and, and show this parental side of him that you wouldn't expect, but he's a kangaroo and he has a bitch, So of course he's parental. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'm <laughs> delighted. I'm delighted by this game. Um, it's on game pass. So if you have game pass, like I really encourage you to check it out, especially if you like RPGs and action RPGs in particular, um, and then, you know, it, it's like 15 bucks on Steam or something. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really fun time and it seems like it'll be pretty breezy. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I'm super glad I checked it out. I kind of picked it up on a whim uh, nice. yesterday when I was hanging around the apartment. So um, I will. Yeah, maybe I'll have to check it out. Because, yeah, I was a little apprehensive when you said it's like Suikoden. And I was like... <laughs> well, so it's uh, an, a lighter action RPG spinoff of a future Suikoden-like. Yeah. Um, the one last game I'll shout out is uh, I, I got dragged back into Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've been running Mech Mage uh, for people. I, I don't know. James, have you played much Hearthstone? Or are you a big card gamer? I know. I, I'm a, I, I used to play Magic a lot. I've played a little bit of the Arena game, but I, I grew up playing Magic. But I have not... I played some Hearthstone back in the day, and uh, I played enough to kind of understand it, and then I kind of was like, I'm... It's not for me. Yeah. Um, but Do you feel like because you grew up kind of diehard on Magic that it makes it hard to make the transition? I don't think so. I think it was pretty... I think there's a degree where I always just wanted to go back and play Magic. And now that I have Arena, and I used to, I played real Arena like pretty religiously for, I don't know, I would say like four or five months. And I just kind of fell off it because I remembered, hey, guess what? I'm basically playing... Like they have these formats where it's like um, the standard format is just the last like six sets, essentially. Right. Right. And they get a set every three months. And so you're getting a new 200 cards every like three or four months. And it, I get it to makes it feel really hard to keep up. Yeah. If you're not keeping up, if you're not spending money, you're not up to date. 
And that's always been a format that really bothered me. And so I always play like all my decks are like legacy decks, which are like thousands of dollars worth of cards in them. But they are cards that like you're just not going to ever really you're never needing to update them that much. Maybe one or two cards like every four sets you add. But it's it's much more minimal in the long run than it is uh, buying $200 decks every three months. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. That's just my takeaway. So I always kind of like even the online card games, which I think would have been more accessible. They still get me bogged down with that sort of drain, I think. Yeah. Hearthstone um, started doing a season and a rotation format um, a couple of years ago. uh, And Every once in a while, a new set, like they, it was the big annual refresh where they rotate out a bunch of cards. And that's always when I feel like I'm most likely to be able to get in and and feel like I can build some sort of deck that's like close to competitive. Um, And so that's kind of what drew me back in. And I don't know, every so often I just need an excuse to waste my time. And that's what Hearthstone feels like. But it's been really fun. Um, The game has so many different modes now that it's almost hard to keep track of and uh, I, I don't know i still just love playing the old school stuff um, i'm grateful for classic mode where they limit it to just the original set of cards because uh, i understand that format a lot better it's not similar to legacy where there's new cards being introduced ever but it's like yeah like you have these standard deck types that are kind of archetypal at this point and and if you know about that, then you know how to engage kind of more in the meta. Whereas, like, I don't really know how to grapple with the meta when it's so in flux all the time. Um, it's always been pretty challenging for me. So, anyways, um, yeah, quick shout out to Hearthstone. Uh, screw Demon Hunters. Hate a Demon Hunter. <laughs> with that, what have you been playing, James? Well, yesterday I downloaded the Card Shark demo and I gave that a shot. That's a new game that's coming out. Yes, I want to hear about Card Shark. So, yeah, so Card Shark's a game where you play as this mute kid who is like living in like, I think it's France. It's definitely France because uh, some of the locations, but it's got this beautiful like ink painting kind of art style where all of the characters are drawn like they're clearly on like just rigs but so like their their joints are the only thing that really moves everything else is very static but mm-hmm. like just the art style is very quite beautiful it definitely looks old and i think that's the point and then you are cheating at cards and that is literally the game it's they have like hey we're going to show you how to cheat at these games so like you meet this dude and he's like you're going to be my like my guy for my cons so you're going to help me cheat and we're going to make lots of money and basically he teaches you how to like the first trick you learn is to like when you're pouring somebody wine to look over their shoulder and check Mm -hmm. out their cards in their hand and then you're going to wipe the table afterwards and you'll tell uh your your buddy who's playing cards how like how well they're doing 
depending on like okay like oh what's their best card you'll like pick the suit is like how you wipe the table and then how long and how vigorously you do it is how many cards of that suit or and so and so forth and so it's like okay you've learned this trick and you master it and you go and do it and then you go off and you learn a new trick at the at the next place you're going to go to and you'll learn like so i learned like three card monty and how to cheat in three card monty and how to stack the deck and how to like and it's this it's really complicated with all of the steps that you have to do like stacking the deck is like oh you go into the shuffle mode but then you're going to shuffle once so like you just essentially cut the deck then you're going to slide a uh, a card kind of like off to the like just sticking out a little bit and then you're going to continue shuffling but you'll know that that one sticky out card is where the the cards you want are and then your friend's going to cut the deck with that like indented card mm-hmm. he knows to cut there and then when you shuffle out the cards they're going to go in the order that you want them to and it's just all of these little tricks and it's like you have to be really like quick because when you're actually pulling off these these stunts with like these card players it's not you don't do anything with playing cards you're only doing the cheating so your guy takes care of the card play that just like that doesn't even happen when you're playing it's just you and like the bottom of the bar is like their patience for you or like how suspicious they are Mm -hmm. and so while you're doing the cheating they're sliding along this bar at the bottom which is essentially you have to do three cheats to win or i'm assuming is is kind of the standard that i was going through and uh yeah so like as you do them you can take as long as you want but like they start that meter starts to fill up and the longer you take the more suspicious they are and so you have to like beat them without like raising their suspicion and it's it's really it's quite an interesting little game I've, i've been really enjoying it you're doing lots of little tricks my uh my only thing is it's hard for me to remember all of the moves that i have to do so i started <laughs> writing them down in a notebook but then i find myself looking down to try and like what a, what is it what am i oh my god it's not even helping me because the timer is going and it's it's very stressful a lot of it's like timing based because like like when you're shuffling or when you're doing three card monty and you're moving the cards around you have to like do it at the right rhythm so it doesn't look like you're going too fast, which makes people go, I, I don't trust this guy. And if you go too slow, they can see what you're doing. So you want to like, it's very clever how, how it does. Anyway, the demo is free. It came out yesterday. I think the game is coming out sometime this summer. Uh, very, very cool little game. I think it's actually next month. What am I saying? I think it is June 2nd. That is correct. Steve. Yeah, June 2nd. I I cannot wait. I'm first thing I'm doing after we're done recording is to start downloading this on my switch so I can check the demo out too, because it just sounds like such a good time. Yeah, it's, it's a cool little game. I'm, I'm really enjoying it, but yeah, it's definitely, I can see it getting really hard and really stressful. (laughs) Um, the other game I've been playing is, uh, or I, that I have played is Trek to Yomi, which Mm. is a new game that, uh, was released, I believe last week. And it is quite the little uh, game that I've I, I played. I really enjoyed it. Uh, essentially, you play a samurai, and the game is in black and white, so it's very Kurosawa inspired, like uh, Akira Kurosawa, I believe his name was the uh, mm-hmm. Japanese filmmaker. Um, and uh, it's super like 
everything is stylistically shot. Like every area you are in is essentially like a set piece. Like you move throughout that set piece. The camera doesn't move unless you leave the screen and then it cuts to the next kind of segment. And there are two aspects of the game. There's the where you can run anywhere aspects. And when it's just on a uh, 2D plane where you're just moving and that's where you do combat. If you can't move around into the background, you're you're only going to be doing combat. And then if you can move into the background, you're doing exploring, you're trying to find secrets and, and stuff like that. And essentially what happens is the game plays out. You uh, Your village is attacked by bandits and uh, you have to fight, fight them off. So um, after the uh, the bandits kind of take apart your town, you decide to become the the defender. And um, yeah, so the beauty of the game is is the fact that combat's pretty simplistic. You basically use square for a light attack, triangle for a heavy attack. It's um, you then use the control stick to kind of dictate whether it's going to be a, a a low attack or a high attack, and you do combos based off of that. Armored guys are only good against like you, it's only good if you pierce them where or use your heavy attacks. Um, there's specific faster enemies, guys with range, and you're, you're like dodging out of the way. It's a it's a cool little game. Yeah. Not overly complicated. It's about eight levels long. It's got three different branching paths, and. Um, Essentially, what happens is Yomi in this game is uh, the Jap. Well, I mean, in Japanese mythology, Yomi is the land of the dead. So you are going to through Yomi at a certain point in the game. And all the items you collect tell of like Japanese um, mythology and Shintoism. And they just talk about various yokai and oni and. And uh, kami that you will like not encounter, but just have occurred over t- like throughout the mythology, which is really kind of cool. But it does tell an overarching story about like the creator and his mistress, who eventually gets like trapped in hell in Yomi, and mm-hmm. he goes to try and save her. And in this game, you lose your lover, and you go to Yomi. And you fight through Yomi trying to save your lover. So it reflects what you are doing with like kind of like the lore. And it's really quite beautiful. Like the shots are just there. They look like they're from a film. There's so many moments that like they they catch either you're on like a bridge facing off against a uh, bandit or you're silhouetted with like light in the background. It's just such a beautiful like all the movement seems very fluid. There is the one complaint I have about it, though, is and it's super minor. The trackpad on the PlayStation, if you slide upwards on it, it goes to the item menu, which is the same as pushing up on the D-pad. However, if I move my control stick with my thumb up, sometimes I tap up on the the D-pad. And so I'll be mid-combo and suddenly I'm in the item menu. And then once I get oh, out of no. it, it wrecks my combo. And then the enemy hits me. And I'm like, God damn it. And I beat the game the other day. And I started trying out their the unlocked hard mode, which is literally 
insane. It's everybody takes one hit. You take one hit. Enemies take one hit. That's it. And uh, bosses don't. Bosses still have, you still have to deal damage to bosses, but it's so hard because you, you die to anything. If like you mess up your parry, if you mess up uh, your roll out of the way or anything, right? So sounds brutal. Yeah, it's uh, I only got to the second stage on that mode and I was getting my butt handed to me. But yeah, no, it's great. It's a fantastic, very stylistic. Uh, it's worth the, it's all. Yeah, it's a short game. It was worth, uh, I think, 30 bucks I paid for it. Um, it's also on Game Pass right now. Yes, absolutely. Oh, you didn't have to pay any money for it if you played it on Game Pass. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Right. And then uh, the last thing is the game that we've both been playing. Uh, the Outlander. game that everybody's been playing. Indeed. So many people. <laughs> You were saying that you've got, I mean, 13.4 million sell through, I think they announced this week. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, not sell through, but in, sold to stores. Um, you said that you were finally making some more headway, and it, I, I would love to hear, um, this is kind of going to be a spoilery discussion, but spoilery within the range of what James has played. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear, tell me some about your adventures, about uh, what character class you've specced into, and and uh, what you've seen, and, and then I'll try and chime in, and we can talk a little bit. It's funny you you mentioned character class, because I almost always play a, a cleric with a high strength, high faith. And I kind of, not going to lie, this game is long. I got bored of playing my character. Like, it's that, that tedious, like, not tedious, but like that big of a game. So I actually yeah. went to the respec and decided, you know what, I'm just going to change it up. Because I want to try... There's so many spells that I can't use. There's so many spells. And there's so many abilities and different items. And I'm just tired of... I didn't like the weapon I was using. I'm not going to lie. It was really strong. It just wasn't very appealing. I was using yeah. the golden golden halberd. I had the, uh, the big shield that the tree knights carry. And... I was just an absolute beast. I could block everything. I was dealing so much damage, but I was sl- slow, which is typical. And I cast like my my big spells or whatever, right? But I I wasn't having fun, so I actually respect to be intelligence and faith, and Whoa. go the go- golden order path. So now I'm using I'm using a I found a a weapon that's got a really cool special off of it. It's called like um, it's the Halo Scythe or something like that, and it's special. Shoots giant discs out of it, and it just and I can keep using it over and over and over again, which is pretty pretty sweet. And I'm really liking. It's a lot faster. It doesn't do as much damage, but it's like it's got range and quickness to it that I really am enjoying playing with. And I get to use all these spells that I couldn't use before uh, because they're like intelligence requirement on the uh on the faith so i have kind of specced into that i um i went through the capital i beat Mor morgot i believe his name is basically yeah. the first <clears throat> the first boss but real this time um my buddy i was talking to about it he said that he believes that morgot and Margit are the same person. 
because when you defeat Margit, he disappears without a corpse. And the other one does not. And he says that, well, like he has the boss death, but he also says that something about like the omens, there's only two omens that had their horns cut or something like that. And uh, there's another one, I believe that he he's dead set on. They're the same person. So I'm, I'm interested to try and figure out more about that puzzle. That I mean, they look almost identical. Yeah. Whereas like, you want to talk about somebody who's an omen with their horns cut. I mean, isn't the the Smith is one of those folks, right? Yeah, I think so. He has traits similar to it. He has the, the, the horns all over his body that have been chopped off. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. It's been a couple, it's been like a week since I really dug into Elden Ring. So I'm, I'm rusty. Yeah. Other than that, I defeated them. I went to the mountain pass area. I fought the, um, Boreal Dragon. And that was fun. I like that. Um, I, I might have fought the Boreal Dragon. Did I? You walk into a blizzard and he jumps out of the blizzard at you on the ice lake. No. Um, the other place I went was I, the sewers. Okay. So I, I've explored the sewers. Creepy place. Yeah, the sewers of the capital. I got to the very bottom where you fight like the blood god guy. And uh, he that, was hard. Like the creepy priest dude. No. Um, <clears throat> he's like, he looks like an omen. But he's got full horns. He's like, if you follow the uh, the blood guy, like the the there's like a whole bunch of different like groups and one of them is the pale like the white masked guy if you follow his storyline he eventually gives you this uh summons that can take you to the blood war like realm or whatever and you find like the um essentially the temple of the blood god and he is insanely powerful and too strong for me so i don't i don't bother mo um, the omen yeah yeah, yeah. He looks yeah, like but... a he looks like a priest to me. He's a oh, he's really? in a chapel. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a I, I see yeah, he's a creepy priest. <clears throat> but he's all like blood and fire and stuff like that. Blood he and was... fire indeed. Yeah, blood and fire. Uh but yeah, he was he was kicking my ass. So I, that that's before I respect too, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do something else for a little bit. Because that's what I do. If I hit a roadblock, I just turn around, try something else for a little bit. But yeah, it's been fun. I just, there's just so much to this game that it's like, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice just playing as that one character that I always kind of play as. I find all the spells that I'm very familiar with and like that are throughout the series. And, but now I'm playing as this different build and I'm really enjoying how it's working so far. Mm hmm. I'm I'm getting like I'm getting surprised at how um uh, capable I was with this different build. I thought it was going to be a really steep learning curve, but I'm jumping right into it. And yeah. God, some of my one of my favorite spells is that uh, uh, Scarlet Blight Dragon Head spell. It has See, been. I I haven't gotten to do any of this stuff because I've been Dex Intelligence the whole time. Oh, right. 
Yeah, and it's Faith Arcane for the dragon spells. And yeah, the dragon is basically a summon a giant dragon head that breathes out scarlet blight rot or scarlet rot breath that does a ton of damage and gives them scarlet rot, which is just the like it's an insane boss killer. I just throw it on the boss and then I can like dodge roll and take my time and poke away at him all the while his health is just ticking, 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 ticking down. And it's just such a. It, it when you get buddies with you, it's such a satisfying feeling just watching them slowly die, and there's nothing they can do about it. It usually does about half the boss's health, so if I'm also attacking, I only really have to do half damage. How many shard bearers have you found and fought? Oh, uh, I guess four. I think. Okay. I think well. That's maybe not uh, the uh, great runes. I've gotten. Right. Yeah, that's that's a shard bearer. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I've fought four. I think I've got the there's Radan, there's um, uh, what's this pickle the um Godric. Godric. Yep. Godric the Grafted. Radan. Radan. Uh, Rani, and the witch. And then the other one was Rikard. Rikard. Yeah. And then I fought like another like golden god god guy, but he wasn't he didn't have a great rune, I don't think. He was, was in that, the capital. Yeah, the capital boss. I think he, Or did Marga think, Margot Margot did, is the final shard bearer or whatever or rune Yeah. Bearer. Yeah, that's right. So I did get I so I got five then. Have you done any side quests that feel like they're going to influence the outcome of the end of the game? I think so. One that like the sewer one where I'm going is they say like the 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 truth of like the three fingers is in the sewers. So that's why I was running around the sewers like an idiot trying to find it. And I found like a super hard boss. Um, I think there's somewhere down there is the like this fabled three fingers and that's all about the frenzied flame and they want to burn the tree down but they want to burn it like they want me to burn myself instead of the maiden so it's like Mm -hmm. oh you can do it by saving the maiden instead but you burn yourself and let the world fall into chaos which i think is really kind of an interesting twist I think it's really funny. One of my buddies brought up this sort of concept. He's like, why, why are we doing this? Like we're running around this world and we're being told we want to, um, I'm sure lots of people, even some of our listeners probably already know, right? You've beaten the game. You probably figured it out, but they're like, why are we running around doing whatever these people tell us? Essentially. They're like, Hey, you want to be the Elden Lord? And we're like, I guess so. But like the world is like, just an absolute mess and we're like do we really want to be a lord of all of this sort of stuff like but then it's like each time we talk to a person they're like oh no 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 what those two fingers were saying yeah not so good you gotta you gotta do what we want to do because really those guys are crazy and then you talk to another person and they're like oh no no, no. all those guys 
completely crazy. You want to follow the frenzied three fingers. We shoot golden light out of our eyes and uh, vomit golden fireballs. Oh, wait, way better. No, you want to join the volcano manor and oh yeah, <laughs> you want to become a tarnished hunter. Yeah, um, and stop the golden order from pursuing its false path. Yeah, and it's just been... so big spoiler. Yeah, but I think the coolest thing to happen so far in the game for me, and I think it's the big twist that happens for everyone is when you're in the capital and you realize that the round table is that big sacred spot where you're going to meet all of the members of the golden order is in the capital Mm -hmm. and is long past like decayed and empty and all your friends are dead and this place has fallen into disrepair and like legend basically from what Mm -hmm. i can tell and so i I don't know enough like i haven't pieced together what that means narratively like canonically or what it's supposed to mean but to me what that means is not only are the two fingers full of shit and the golden order literally a thing of the past that has no bearing on reality anymore it's literally failed already yeah that's what i read is that that's you? interesting it's a lie it's it's a myth that's yeah to deceive people i think that's that's uh that's one that's one way you can ascertain it i is for me i got a flashback of bloodborne oh see and i don't i'm not far enough into bloodborne to know because there's a spot in bloodborne you keep going to and then you can find it in the real world because bloodborne is a dream essentially right like there's you you go into the waking world then you return to the dream um but when you find it in the real world it's in a different state than it is when it's in the dream it's really i don't know i'm wondering if there's some ties to that i always felt that actual location uh the the round table hold was a real location well and Mm -hmm. it is a real location yeah it's just all your friends are dead yeah or not there. The edge. All my friends yeah. are dead. Um, um, so yeah. I, I think the round table hold could alternatively be a pocket dimension that like the, the other explanation for me is like this last bastion of the golden order separated itself from, from reality and like created a pocket dimension and all of the good tarnished get taken there and it's based off of this round table hold area of the capital from the time before this fall happened. Yeah. Um, kind of in a greater age kind of era. But um, I think, you know, I think thematically what that must mean is like, do you, do you need to hold on to this past greater era or do you need to let it die? Yeah. You know? I know. I think that's a good question. I think it's there's definitely some different routes we can take near Endgame. I'm definitely. I think there's multiple endings. So if it's anything oh, I like, I know what route I'm taking. Yeah, I'm taking my phone backgrounds route. Yeah, um, that's all I'm gonna say. 
Okay. You didn't bring it up yet. I didn't bring it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah no I'm I'm really I was thinking I would go down the path of the three fingers but now I'm thinking I don't know I'll, I'll mess around. I do like the uh, gold mask is hilarious. Following gold mask around has been great, mm. um, except for the fact that he has stopped doing his finger gyrations and so has my two fingers. Mm. So they they've hit uh, a basically Corin, the the little priest that we uh, we've I've been following around as well. He says he has stopped because he has hit some like snag in lore. He has discovered that originally America was their one true god, but there are still right there's writing they have found writings of Radon being or not Radon Radigan being a god which is like incorrect when you compare it to what they've believed all their lives. And now they're kind of like contemplating what, what now, but yeah, it's, I'm having a fun, I'm still extrapolating all the lore and, and figuring out everything and understanding how everything fits into the world. But I've been enjoying it. Good game. I feel like, our experiences with this game are so different from one another because the people who like I've been following um, Ronnie, the witch's storyline, but I accidentally skipped over a bunch of it because I showed up at the Radon um, grand fighting festival too early. And it played the wolf to that festival so I no longer could do any of the stuff where I interacted with Blade the Wolf out in the wild. Oh. In that earlier part of the quest line, the quest line for me started with you met Ronnie, you met you know you're supposed to go find Blade the Wolf. Yeah. Blade the Wolf has this whole set of quest things that would have informed it. I skipped that all and now he's at the the Radon's festival. Yeah. And so I'm glad the game let me continue that. Like, that is the storyline I wanted to pursue. Yeah, I'm yeah. Glad the game lets me continue to pursue it despite having like done it in the wrong order or whatever. Yeah, but I, I found Blyde. Yeah, because I found Blyde way before I met Ronnie. Well, like this, the way you find her in her tower. Right. Exactly. And I, on the other hand, did not. Yeah. <laughs> um, Very cool. So, it just. It's interesting that it lets me pursue it, but I have had very like much less of like a, and this is a storyline I'm pursuing, and this is a person feeding me lore over it. Yeah. Anyways, it's really interesting. I, I like how they they manage to have like characters' perspective without like they're they'll tell you what they believe their truth are, but their truth doesn't necessarily mean that's real. Ronnie's truth is real. <laughs> I learned something horrible about Blyde. I don't know if you you've learned about it, but uh, share away. He, I, I um, I finished that quest line. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, I heard. Uh, basically, I freed him from the uh, the the, goal, the jail. The jail. Yeah, I still call him goals. <laughs> yeah, I know it's spelled that way. So, but yeah, I freed him from his jail, and then uh, I went and talked to EG, and EG's like, "Oh, you saved him. Well, that's too bad." He's like, "I was doing that just." to protect him uh it wasn't like a prison it was because that if he is free and he started he's actually like a, a secret agent like a double agent a sleeper agent 
Uh, but he's like gotten his like he's supposed to be spying on Rani, but then he's also fallen in love with like with her cause and wants to support her and it's going to tear him up inside and he's just going to go wild now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, damn, <laughs> poor guy. It's, it's really tragic, right? It's like, yeah, he, um, he's it's been very- created in a way that he can't help but betray yeah. her. Uh, yeah, but his true intention would be to not do it, so it's even more tragic. The uh, the beauty is that's that's a Dark Souls char- every Dark Souls character, right? Like that's every ca- any any ch- time you are progressing any character in a Souls game along their storyline, you are leading them to their doom, and that is just the reality of it. And it's always that sort of tragic, like you want to know their story, but you also don't want to destroy these beautiful characters, but. What can you do? Well, you can just accidentally forward their storyline way to the end without putting any of the narrative. <laughs> there you go. That's how I play these games. Oh, boy. Speaking of Elden Ring, let's jump into some news. news theme song so um in what might be the latest start to a news segment uh we're gonna start off with jeremy winslow over at kotaku uh highlighting that the man the myth the legend let me solo her has killed millennia a thousand times uh that headline over at kotaku true elden ring lord let me solo her kills millennia a thousand times um, yeah M- more than me klein Suboy, <laughs> the famed elden ring hero we come to know as let me solo her has bodied one of the lands between sardis bosses more times than you or i ever could in fact lmsh took to youtube on may 10th to live stream himself Slaying the red-headed goddess Melania, Blade of Michaela, for the 1,000th time to thousands of viewers. Wow. Good job. I think <laughs> this, this is just a really rad, like, community story. I've loved the fan art of this character. Yeah, he's just naked with a pot on his head. Yeah, I've loved the meaning of it, uh, where someone put, like, let me date her. <laughs> As their oh my god character name and they were holding out a thing of flowers oh wow yeah um, no it's it's i love this sort of stuff this is the good side of the souls community i just was stuff so like sad to find out that he's playing on pc so i can't summon him in my game to get oh yeah <laughs> that's so funny but um congrats to klein suboy uh shout outs you're a greater player than i will ever be and uh, if I can't beat, you know, I haven't even found Melania yet. But neither have I. So if and when I do, and if I like, just know that it'll never happen, I'm just going to watch one of these playthroughs and move on with my life <laughs> as badly as I want to say that I'll have been able to beat her. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think this is rad and. Yeah, no, it's really like cool. Said, it's it's like... the cool, good part of the Souls community. Yeah, exactly. There's such a toxicity about that that community, and it's nice to see good come out of it rather than just people being shitty. 
it's yeah i think dark souls and we may have talked about this like has a reputation for being a community of like people who say get good yeah and that's just i think this is more reflective of the community other yeah. than people wanting to troll each other and making really gross sexist jokes in the weird like buttholes butthole uh beautiful chest ahead etc yeah uh, like i think these are the stories that really highlight like what the community nature of of elden ring and and from soft games in general has has been like like in my experience yeah no 100 percent stuff from anything from like the work that Viety does to uh, i think his name was sunlight bro um there's there's a couple of them they do really good like montages of like great community moments and stuff like that and and uh Viety does a lot of like work where he creates literal lore videos that are like cinematic yeah, and it's uh, it's amazing his work is amazing yeah um and then uh just i would be remiss um i actually became a patreon subscriber to uh listen to um the bonfireside chat do their elden ring season um so they've been doing a play along on their patreon um nice. so the bonfireside chat is another really really positive part of of the FromSoft fan community um and if you join their patreon you can listen to their elden ring coverage but nice uh, anyways um next up also from gutaku uh which i think is uh frankly some of the biggest news of the year potentially uh is that starfield and my personal like most anticipated <laughs> big budget game of the year redfall uh both bethesda software games both uh, Xbox exclusive slash PC exclusive for Microsoft after their purchase of Bethesda have been delayed into the first half of 2023. Um, reading from Luke Plunkett over at Kotaku, Starfield, Bethesda's next big RPG delayed till 2023. Redfall, comma, the next game from Arcane Austin, comma, has also been pushed back. That's good. Honestly, <laughs> I know it's bad news, but it's good news at the end of the day. I'm sure they wouldn't have done this if they didn't feel like the games needed it. I think I remember reading, I think it was on Twitter. Jason Trier had posted something about saying that he did. Uh, he talked with some Bethesda employees a while back. They're working on Starfield and they were saying that it, the November release date was so daunting and so like giving them so much dread that they're like, they can't, they're not going to reach it. That um, words like the next cyberpunk was right, right. circulating. So I think it's good that, that it's been delayed. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it got delayed a little bit more closer to that date. Um, but honestly, if it's going to be a massive Bethesda game, people are putting it on such a pedestal right now, especially because it's the first new Bethesda game since like real big bethesda game since fallout 4 yeah i guess fallout 4 i was gonna say the I'm other fallout but i guess it's not that's not really a full-blown 76 yeah 76 not so yeah but even then that was a flop of a launch right yeah. so you're looking at they gotta make a really good impression they gotta make get some real good faith out of the uh the community with this game right so starfield i think is gotta be coming out of the gate looking hot and fresh and enjoyable not uh 
we can, they cannot have a cyberpunk situation on their hands. Yeah. I, I'm not like Redfall felt like it was coming super hot off of like the big E3 announcement. And then for them to be like, and it's coming early next year, like summer of next year. I was like, that is a fast turnaround time for literally having never heard of this concept before. And you having a six CG demo that like, when I think about this game still plays in my mind with the cool elevator and just the badass character designs and just the deep desire to play in this fucking world and fight vampires um, to turn around and have a game appear a year later feels really aggressive. And so like, I think it makes sense for that to be delayed. Um, and, you know, uh, Miyamoto quote, blah, 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 delayed game is good eventually, whereas a rush game is good eventually too because we've got patches now (laughs) i think um giving these games some more time to bake in the oven and making them compete with breath of the wild 2 for my attention next year instead of with elden ring this year for my attention is fine yes i'm a a creature of habit and i know as much as i want to check out other big games like my attention just gets sucked into certain things sometimes. So, yeah. Um, although Starfield is likely to be one of those things that's a game that gets my attention, right? Like, consistently, when a big Bethesda RPG drops, except for Fallout 76, it takes over my life, whether I am hyped about it or not. Yeah. You know, it just, they have that gravitational pull, um, which is good you know if the game's even better by the time it comes out have you know hooray for all of us um the last news story we're going to jump into is a doozy and it is from ari Nadas over at kotaku everything at nintendo's first switch world showcase of the summer uh the subhead here is uh something that i was loosely alluding to when i tweeted i'm not going to get my hopes up but i can't wait to watch yeah. That, sorry, no news yet about Hollow Knight Silk Song on Switch. Um, literally every time there's any Nintendo news, do I hope that some Silk Song shows up? Uh, but we will have to continue to wait. Um, I want to. I think the best thing to do will be just a quick rundown of everything that was shown, uh, and then uh, maybe we can jump into some of the highlights. Uh, and then call out what I think we've decided is the mostly normal gamers game of a show yeah. uh, that we both agreed upon kind of playing, which I'm delighted by. Um, so just a quick read through of all the games that were shown. Uh, we have Ooblets uh, finally coming to Switch in summer. Ooblets looks great. It's currently on Xbox and PC. Uh, it looks very twee, and I kind of want to get into it, uh, and I think it would be a perfect Switch game. Uh, Batora Last Haven coming out this fall. Alekhead, which has me so excited that it's coming to Switch. It's a game that I've been so eager to play coming this summer. Looks really cool. Oh my god. Just it screams Mega Man vibes to me too with the art style. Like I yeah. thought you'd love it. Um, Soundfall, which came out um, on Wednesday, the same day as the Indie Direct, is a Diablo like action game with a rhythm combat mechanic. Uh, I. Cannot get my head wrapped around how that would work, but I love rhythm games. Uh, we have Wild Frost, uh, which is coming out in winter, which is a roguelike deck builder. Uh, totally accurate Battle Simulator is coming to Switch this summer. 
Gunbrella is coming in 2023. We Are OFK is coming in summer. Silt in June. Mini Motorways dropped uh, on Wednesday, which I believe is a really successful iOS game. If yeah, I actually thinking. downloaded it yesterday as well and was tinkering around with it. It's uh, it's on Apple Arcade. Yeah, rad. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I've heard it's a, a really good puzzle series, too. Um, we have Wayward Strand on July 21st. Cult of the Lamb coming in 2022. Another Crab's Treasure coming in 2023, which is hilarious. A, a Dark Souls-like, a Souls-like game where you play as a crab and you have to try and get your shell back and you change your shell into different sh- pieces of trash. To be yeah, crab. you're like a little hermit crab, right? And you're yeah, getting your uh, different weapons. It looks really, it looks funny. Looks it's like from the game. people making going, who made Going Under, and they in the trailer they say well we decided crabs are the perfect video game enemies because they have natural weapons and they yeah. sidestep <laughs> um it's very funny yeah, it's uh, and very then they charming. Had a, yeah. a little montage of stuff uh highlighting one shot world machine edition gibbon beyond the trees which came out on wednesday um idol manager coming out on august 25th low-key pretty excited about that game um, a game that we already talked about, Card Shark had the demo drop, and it's out on June 2nd. Curse to Golf, which is another game that I'm really interested in checking out, and has a demo on PC right now on Steam, uh, is coming out this summer. Uh, Guidebook to Babel coming out in fall, and Opus Echo of Star Song Full Bloom Edition coming out on Wednesday as well. Wow, that was a lot of indie games. That was, yeah. And you know what? It, it At first, I thought it was a pretty weak showing. But then when I actually went through it all, like, we got a wide range of different styles of games. And at the end of the day, there were some pretty solid ones that I'm interested in. And I heard a lot of people getting really hyped about a lot of ones that I'm not interested in. So it means there was a lot to, like, kind of, like, there's a little bit for everyone, I think, out of this one. There was some uh, really cozy ones. There's some really action heavy ones. There's more uh, um, puzzle based ones. More like I think the totally accurate battle simulator, while it's not my cup of tea, looked mm-hmm. like it would be a really ridiculous. I think it's an RTS. I think that's what I was getting from the the trailer, where you build like an army of these flimsy toy people that wobble when they move and they flail they around. They call it a fighting game. Yeah, but like every time we were watching them, you're just watching armies attack each other. So I feel like it's more RTS than fighting. I don't think you have much control of them once you release them. Like, that's my understanding. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the game. It's been out for like, it's been in the works for six years. It's been out on other platforms for. Oh, has it? All right. Well, Um, so yeah. um, I do want to highlight. Oh, sorry, computer problems again. So I gotta control alt delete is my my new favorite thing. Uh, All good. All good. So um, I think just to highlight some of the stuff that stood out, I know we already touched on it a little bit. Alekhead looks spectacular. Oh, it's for a, sure. A single person development team. Um, it's a puzzle platformer uh, game that revolves around sending current through different things to move platforms or open and close gateways or activity different things there's a really cool character design for this main character you can detach his head which is his source of electricity and throw the electricity around the room um it looks so 
cute and challenging and has this really beautiful like Game Boy like OG Game Boy color aesthetic yeah. in the heart to me. Um, and not even like a game made for the Game Boy color, but a game made for the Game Boy that then had like, oh, but if you play it on the Game Boy color, there's like you three get... colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is a whole vibe, trust yeah. me. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. That's like the early Pokemon blue, red and blue kind of style yeah. where they're like, hey, yeah, we, we can throw in a little bit of color here and there. Um, I love, yeah, I love how it's got a very Celeste kind of move, like, gameplay to it where it's like you're not fighting enemies you're solving puzzles mm -hmm. and the puzzles are uh yeah mega man i mega man-y looking levels where you you hop around and yeah wherever you are touching is electrocuted and then that determines whether like things move or energy is shot out from open outlets or um uh yeah it, it's clever it looks like one of those things where it's got a very simple concept that can be um pulled into really complex puzzles and yeah. i think that's really cool um it's been out on steam on pc for um for a while so if people can't wait to play it on switch um, you okay. can check it out now on uh i believe on steam um but i think it's a perfect bite-sized thing for the switch and so uh, i'm looking forward to checking it out there um we are ofk is the most high concept nonsense I have ever heard. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe it. Would you? You took notes uh, throughout the show. Do you want to try and read through what your description <laughs> of "We Are OFK" is? I wrote it's a musical narrative. Um, it's being told through weekly episodes and interactive, mu interactive music videos. Uh, so essentially you're interacting through the music videos. Um, you're only getting them like once a week. So interesting, con like interesting choice there. And then I guess you're like creating, like you're kind of dictating this one character's story as she kind of struggles with being a struggling artist with her band, but she's also got like long, like work that she's got to deal with she's got some like stress in her personal life and so it looks like you do like text-based like story pathing with like literal like phone texting and stuff like that i i don't know how this is how is this gonna work like it just feels like it's to sell their album at the end of the day and like you can download ofk's like single on like apple um music or whatever yeah so I did I did some like quick searching yeah. yesterday after the showcase just to try and contextualize this a little bit. Um, this game's been in the works for a couple of years. It was written up at Polygon a couple of years ago. Um, I believe someone re related to Hyperlight Drifters actually involved with the project. Oh, uh, interesting. But they debuted their first single at the Game Awards last year in a live performance that's right that's right yeah um and so like the the featured video um one of the featured videos on the ofk.cool website is a, a video performance live from the game awards of uh their single follow slash unfollow yeah. um it's it's too meta for me yeah no i'm 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 with you i'm not they're our cur they're considered a, a cartoon band right 
I mean, they, they, yeah, they have, there, to be. there's they, no, they, uh, cause they they're, always, they're the gorillas, they're, um, whatever the band from League Met, of Legends is. Metalocalypse. Sure. But not even yeah. like, I, for me, like it feels too polished and too big of a meta media push. Like it feels very BTS fandom baiting. Mm. It feels very, um, KDA. I don't know how to pronounce the group from League of Legends, but it feels yeah. like trying to launch all of those things all at once, as opposed to like, was I mean, I knew about Metalocalypse back in the day, but I always perceived it as Metalocalypse is a comedy show that happens to have metal music and maybe you can download the album. Oh, you can totally, like they're full albums. I actually listen to Death Clock albums on a regular basis, um, but they've done concerts and tours and everything. They're actually touring again. Recently, I, I saw news that they're touring again. They might be in my area. But yeah, no, they are. It's <clears throat> Metalocalypse, at least in that in that regard, is a it's Brennan Smalls has a huge love for metal and he hires mm-hmm. a lot of professional metal artists to be part of it while he also writes and plays in all of the all of the music. So, yeah, it is. They are a cartoon band that has a show around them. I just, it, it feels icky yeah. to create artificial fan engagement through a narrative video game and create, I mean, but this is already what they're doing with KDA, right? Like yeah. they have um, members of KDA have their own Twitter accounts that are tweeted out as if it's a real band person who's like been wanting to break into the music industry and stuff and like it it, it just it feels icky it feels metaverse in a way that's gross and it feels um like you know it's like talking about the mental health of fictional characters that are in a, a band that's real but are cartoons and i can't i think this means i'm old am i okay. old uh, how about this um how would you feel about this? A comic book has uh, well-known characters in their comic book. They suddenly create a Twitter account for all of the various characters of the comic book, and they each tweet independently about things that are happening within the comic. How would you feel about that? I don't want that. You don't like it? I think social media is bad. Yeah. Okay. So that is exactly what Wolverine and the X-Men did when Jason Aaron did his run. Uh, with Wolverine and the X-Men. He had, basically, Wolverine started up a school, and he was t- teaching X-Men, and he had a whole bunch of teachers that are f- famous X-Men characters, and they good, had a whole a bunch of... It's a very good run of X-Men. Oh, a phenomenal run. It is very good. And uh, But while that was run was happening, they had a Twitter account for Kitty Pride, for uh, The Beast, for uh, many of the students, and they would all tweet and interact with each other as well. So you could just be like part of this weird meta story. I tried following them. I, I think I still follow Kitty Pride and a few others, but, but like not Kitty Pride, the white rapper. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, Kitty Pride is Kitty no. I I do not know Kitty Pride, the white rapper. I only Jeez. know Kitty Pride, the X Men, who is also known as Shadow Cat, who has a phenomenal story amongst herself uh when i stopped reading comics i think she just broke off the engagement with star lord so 
I'm trying to get back into comics. The other day I saw um, a movie that was really good. And I was like, you know what? I got to re-catch up. Do my uh, once a couple of years re-catch up to all the shit that's gone down. I really badly want to get into <laughs> into comics. It's such a wormhole. And I've been putting it off and I still haven't seen a movie that I've I don't know anything about because I'm not comfortable going to a movie theater yet. There you go. Uh, um, maybe that's why I have COVID. Unless did you are you you're, are you talking about multiverse or are you talking about Batman? I saw both, but uh, multiverse is the one I saw in theaters. I saw Robert Pattinson in the theaters, but I uh, the COVID rate's too high for me to go see multiverse of madness. Fair enough. Uh, um, yeah, o- OFK weird. I don't think it's a game that I would play normally. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that love this kind of experience. Um, I just think that I would grow. It kind of reminds me of like, what was the one that came out that was like, it was all about music and you're flying. Um, it's like every level's a music video and, but it's like a rails, not shooter, but like you're flying and you're dodging things. Um, no, can't think of it. it was uh sayonara sayonara oh, wild, hearts. wild hearts sure yeah, yeah there it is i just had to pick up my phone and it charged that knowledge right back to my brain um <laughs> but yeah sayonara wild hearts had a very similar kind of feel where it's like it felt like it was selling a uh an album but it was good like i fully enjoyed it it was uh like kind of give you a uh psychedelic um star fox kind of feel where you're flying through things and you yeah. just not shooting things uh, that much anyway the thing i struggle with is like i'm a i'm a weird purist about stuff sometimes yeah to me it's like if the if the music stands up on its own let the music stand up on its own if the game stands up on its own let the game stand up on its own if the narrative of the game stands up on its own let the narrative and let the game and the narrative of the game stand up on their own and as soon as you prop one up with the other it feels like maybe if you kicked you know it's like i'm excited about the new kendrick album because he's the best rapper i've ever heard probably mf doing probably whatever right he's like a life a life-changing talent and yeah. so like i struggle to say like i want to entrench myself in this fictionalized universe to engage with this music when i could be listening to any other album I, I don't, I'm going to be careful with my words here. I could be listening to any other album that's not a multimedia experience. I could be playing any other game. I could be playing Elden Ring. I could be playing Erudia Chronicles, Eudian Chronicles. I can't say the name of this game, James. <laughs> right. And, and so I, I question like when you need to start piling things on top of each other and it just feels like a marketing apparatus at a certain point. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I don't know how to exist in the same space as it. So we're going to move on. We already talked about Card Shark. I, I think that game looks beautiful. I can't wait to go check the demo out. Um, talked briefly about Curse to Golf. I think Curse to Golf is delightful. It's a roguelike dungeon golf game. Yeah. Or you curse to golf forever. Yeah, um, I think I remember reading something like you're in hell and you have to golf your way out of hell. <laughs> Or something like that. Which for me is just being on a golf course. But Oh. <laughs> uh, 
but sometimes, uh, I don't know, I'm just terrible at golf. Uh, and then I think uh, to highlight what I think we agreed was kind of the game of this showcase for the show uh, is Gunbrella, which is the most absurd name of all time. But if it's anything like Doinksoft Games, it's, <laughs> which is a absurd studio name uh gumbrella will be phenomenal like so doing soft released um gato roboto um mm-hmm. a few years back i think it was 2017 fantastic little game super metroid inspired especially if you like cats uh it can be played pretty much in one sitting like it's it's not very long uh great little um uh indie game i strongly recommend people trying it out it's black and white what black and white games are getting a huge like mm-hmm. uh i don't know it's coming back silt was another game that was on that list today uh, that uh that was all black and white but anyway gunbrella uh looks like it's going to be taking a lot of that 2d action shooting kind of mechanics and they're adding the fact that you got a little umbrella gun so you can open up your umbrella to deflect shots you can use oh, it you to mean parasail. the titular gunbrella the gumbrella, yeah. You've heard of gun swords, right? Well, step aside. We've got something much better. It's very, yeah, you're, you're basically the penguin from Batman, and you're flying around and solving mysteries, it sounds like. Yeah, um, it's, it's a noir mystery game slash action platformer. And there's because... like a scene with him shooting a giant rat, and then there's another one like solving a crime inside like a black and white, like it's like a dream or something like that, and uh it it looks really cool it looks really cool it looks like it's gonna have a lot of really good combat i'm Um, in love with the art style yeah it it reminds me a little bit of um super time force oh yeah the uh the the art style is very reminiscent of what they had going with uh gacho roboto which was doing even like it had even less going for it because it was trying to nail that game boy aesthetic so it was just doing black and white, right? Whereas this has whole like depth and characters and colors and stuff like that. But like you'll notice, like your character, the character in the screenshots will like when when he's like hit or something like that, he does like the giant bulging eyes animation and stuff like that. There's a lot of little cool stuff that they've like slid in there. It look just looks like a blast. Um, and uh, I'm really, I was really disappointed that their last game. I never got a copy of because they did a physical only release and it was a limited physical only release. And that was uh demon's head. I think it was called or no, it was demon throttle, demon throttle. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a top down rail shooter that uh, you played as these cowboys tra- hunting down demons because a demon kissed his wife or something like that. <laughs> it was super tongue in cheek and looked like it was going to be a blast, but Did I never got Katana zero. Yes. I'm getting strong Katana zero vibes from the combat. Oh yeah. Because of the, the way it moves, but Katana zero was a very interesting one because like you essentially just like played out what you were going to do. And then it played after you completed it essentially. Yeah. I don't know, there's um, something about the, like, it looks like you use the umbrella to block bullets occasionally. That makes me yeah. that game. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no, definitely. It looks like it's probably going to be um, one of the, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a phenomenal game. But unfortunately, it comes out next year. 
So Which means 2023 is even more stacked. Getting more and more stacked by the minute. You've got Starfield. You've got Redfall. You've got Breath of the Wild 2. You've likely got God of War Ragnarok. And you've got Gunbrella. Pretty much. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's pretty much everybody's go-to list. That's what everybody's going to be that's buying. That's the top year. five games ever made. I know. And, uh, yeah, and we had... And they don't even exist yet. They don't even exist yet. <laughs> oh, oh, so, boy. Yeah, big shout-outs to Gunbrella. Um, yeah, so congratulations, Doinksoft, for earning the, uh, <laughs> the game the of show. The mostly normal game of show. Yeah. For the <laughs> Nintendo Indie Direct for I, I can't May eleventh, twenty twenty two. With that award delivered, we're gonna wrap the show up. James, thanks so much for joining me, especially uh through the COVID symptoms. Um you've been an absolute champ and a pleasure as always. Um where can people find you on the Twitters and the rest of the internet? Well they can find me at Butlord Primus on uh on Twitter and Instagram. And you can check me out as I stream on Mondays and Wednesdays. Um at uh, twitch.tv slash BLP Entertainment. Awesome. You can find me at VG Occasion on Twitter, where I occasionally tweet about video games. Uh, if you want to contribute to the content, you can. Please send emails to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Follow our Twitter at Podcast. Sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly at mngamers.substack.com and please leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. This now includes Spotify where you can review podcasts and engage with our weekly podcast poll that goes up when we post each episode. That's going to do it for now. I'm going to go play some video games. I don't know about you, James. I, I most certainly am. But peace out, everyone. Have a great weekend. I can't wait to listen to this kind of... Oh, I'm so excited. Bye. <laughs>